0: Jesus, you said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and, I will fi- and you will find rest for your souls. So, Lord, we've come. It's been a crazy week, and we want rest for our souls. Lord, you said if we would learn from you, we would find rest. So give us rest. Lord, we're here today because we need you. Lord, we, we pray for our country that, that this would make us, as we realize how fragile life is, that people would run to you and not from you. We pray for revival in your church, that your church, that we would live by faith and not by fear, and that that would overflow into a spiritual awakening in our land, as people realize how fragile life is, that they would run to you for life that's abundant and eternal. We pray for the sick that you would bring healing. We pray for the well that you would keep from getting sick. We pray for those that have lost loved ones to this virus that you would comfort them. As we open up your word today, we pray you would teach us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Last Friday evening, I'm in the Roosevelt Room on St. George Street uh, for a rehearsal dinner, and after a while, in walks our son Nathan, and for the first time in 15 years, we had all six of our kids together. Many of you have never seen all six of our kids, so that's where they were all six together on Friday night, and it was so great to have them all uh, together. That was Friday evening, Saturday, our son Luke, he's the uh, one just... Uh, above my head he got married on the only cold day in the last two weeks (laughs) on the beach and it was cold and after the wedding they had the reception and the pavilion at the pier and and during the reception they had all the married couples out on the floor and then they started eliminating couples Uh, as we were dancing well they were dancing I, I don't know what I was doing but they were dancing and then they said if you've been married five years or less get off the floor 10, 15, starting to thin out, 20, 25, 35. And then, after 35, there were four couples left. My sister, one of my brothers, me, and one other couple. And as we're dancing, and I'm thinking, why are three of the four, other than the fact it's Luke's wedding, but why are three of the four from my family? And, and I begin to think as we're dancing. Well, first of all, we all know Jesus. And what we're learning today, we're going to learn that, that God is faithful, that God is faithful. And, and it just struck me that if you hang around Jesus, he rubs off on you. It's good for you. God is faithful. It's good to hang around Jesus. The second thing that struck me was that I'm one of four and we're all married to our original spouses. There's some peer pressure there really, that if my sister can stay married, I can stay married. If my brother stays married, I'm going to stay married. It's good to be a part of a, of a group that help each other stay faithful. And then the third thing that struck me is that I'm a pastor, and that helps. And you say, why? Because I'm always telling other people how important it is for them to be faithful. And when I'm passing that on to others, that's really good for me. And so this morning we're going to learn that God is faithful and if you'd like to be faithful, some things that really help is, first of all, hang around Jesus. He's faithful. He'll rub off on you. If you want to be faithful, it's really good to be a part of a small group. It's really good to be a part of a church with other faithful people. That will help you be faithful. And if you want to be faithful, it's really important to be involved in making disciples because when you're sharing with others how important it is for them to be faithful You'll be amazed at how powerful that is to help you be faithful too. So this morning, we're gonna learn about how God is faithful from a friend of mine, one of my heroes, whose name is Noah. Uh, If you're new this this week, we're walking through the book of Genesis together. And one of my heroes, one of my friends is Noah, and we're spending four weeks getting to know Noah. The first week, we learned from Noah that Noah walked with God by faith. And we've been learning how to walk with Jesus by faith. Last week, Noah gave us some great advice. And his advice was, obeying God is always the best choice. No matter what decision you make, remember what Noah said, that obeying God is always the best choice. And this morning we're going to learn, Noah's going to share with us one of the things he learned in the flood. And he says what he learned in the flood is God is faithful. God is faithful. If you'd like to be reminded of that, it's a good place to be as we learn today that God is faithful. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 8. And let me set this up for you a little bit. Noah and his three sons and their wives and uh, the animals are on the ark. And the whole earth is flooded. The whole earth, even the mountains, are underwater as we pick up the story. Genesis (coughs) 8 Verse 1, but God remembered Noah and all the beast and all the cattle that were with him in the ark, and God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. Notice how it says God remembered Noah. The Hebrew word there is zakar. Zakar means that God remembered and also acted on what he remembered. When you think about Noah, and the animals on the ark. Uh, doesn't it raise a thousand questions in your mind, doesn't it? Like one it raises to me is who had the lowest job? You're tracking with me. You know what the lowest job was, right? Who, who, had, who was the pooper scooper, right? <laughs> All those animals and you had to, ooh. And, and how much of every day was spent feeding the animals? You know how many animals were on there? It would have taken 75,000 animals to have all the animals in the world today. To have all the animals that we have in the world today would have required 75,000 animals. How much time did it take every day to feed 75,000 animals? Uh, It makes me wonder, did anybody get seasick? Or the animals, as they, as they, you know, were bounced around in the waves? And, and were there any family feuds when they're on the ark together for over a year? Did, did they ever, get, like, get mad at each other? And don't you think there were times that they said, is it going to ever stop raining? Are we ever going to see the earth again? Has God forgotten us? Do you ever feel that way? is just one storm in your life, after another storm, after number, another, and you say, has God forgotten me? And so Noah puts in here, God remembered Noah. Notice as well that he remembered and he acted upon it. The first thing that he did is he caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. So God began to dry the earth also the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed and the rain from the sky was restrained. If you were here last week, we learned the flood came from three directions. There was water underneath the earth, the the deep fountains, and they burst up into the sky. And then we saw the floodgates. There was a water canopy around the earth and it opened up and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. So now God's beginning to dry things out. He stops the the underground fountains from bursting forth the, the floodgates were empty, and it quit raining and the water receded steadily from the earth, and at the end of one hundred and fifty days, the water decreased and the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat now. <clears throat> If all the earth was covered with water and then it drained off, wouldn't that leave evidence? Wouldn't it? If you ask me, well, why do I believe in in the flood? The first reason I believe in the flood is because Jesus did. And Jesus is the standard of truth. His word is the standard of truth. But the evidence of truth is does it fit reality? So have you ever looked like at the the Grand Canyon and you see a little bitty river flowing through it? Do you ever look at the little river and say, what? That little river didn't what? Didn't carve out the Grand Canyon. There was a lot of water. There was a lot of water rushing through there that created that, right? Have you ever been to the beach after a Northeaster, have you? You ever been to the beach after a Northeaster and see how the water cuts the sand? Have you looked at it? It looks exactly like what? It looks exactly like the Grand Canyon. When the water rushed out, it left evidence of it. And, and, and I know, I, I'm married to one, but, but, you know, there are food snobs and they like to eat Himalayan salts. But have you ever wondered why there's sea salt on the top of the Himalayan mountains? You ever wonder why? Because once the mountains were covered with what? With water, right? Have you ever noticed that there are marine mammals thousands of feet up on mountains? Why are there marine ma- marine fossils? Why are there marine fossils thousands of feet above sea level? Because there was a time what that the flood covered the earth. When you look at the world, you will see evidence of the flood. Almost every culture has a story about what? About a flood. You know why? Because There was a flood. The water decreased steadily until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Then it came about at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and he sent out a raven, and it flew here and there until the water was dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove from him to see if the water was abated from the face of the land, but the dove found no resting place. For the sole of her foot, so she returned to him into the ark, for the water was on the surface of all the earth. Then he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark to himself. So he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. The dove came to him toward evening, and behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. Then he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, but she did not return to him again. Now what came about in the 601st year, in the first month, on the first of the month, the water was dried up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the surface of the ground was dried up. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. They were on the ark for over one year. Remember last week? Look at in chapter 7, verse 11. We read, in the 600th year of Noah's life, the six hundred. you see? In the second month, see that? On the 17th day. So it started in his 600th year, second month, 17th day. Notice now it's the 601st. It's the second month on the 27th day, so it's just a little over a year they were on the ark. Then God said to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Interesting in chapter six or in chapter seven, God had said, Come and come on the ark, come on the ark, and now he says what? Go, go and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like Jesus who says what? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And so we come to Jesus, don't we? And then Jesus says what? He says what? Go and go and make disciples <laughs> who make disciples and fill the earth with disciples until the world is one? No, so Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by their families from the ark. And when they went out, the earth was unrecognizable. Do you, do you know anyone like I do who, who was in Homestead when Hurricane Andrew hit? You know what they said? I, I, I didn't recognize anything. Because all the landmarks, everything I was familiar with, they were all gone. It was, I didn't know where I was. And so it was, when they came out on the earth, everything had changed. It was unrecognizable to them. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. The first thing Noah did when he got off the ark was he thanked the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. First time an altar is mentioned. And he took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. They took two of every kind of animals, but seven of the clean, and they offered sacrifices of the clean animals. Um, first time we see burnt offerings. And again, the purpose of the offerings was to remind the people that, that though the earth had, uh, had been wiped out and the people had been wiped out, they were sinners too, and, and they needed a Savior who would come one day and pay for their sins. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy, from, destroy every living thing as I have done. So the earth is, is completely changed, but is man's heart changed? Is it? It's still what? It's still sinful, isn't it? That man's heart is evil from his youth? So what would God do to keep the earth from getting as bad as it was before the flood? If you'll come back next week, next week we'll see how God established a new institution to keep the world from getting as bad as it was before. Know what it was? It was the civil government. Next week we'll see that after the flood, God established the civil government so that the world wouldn't get as bad as it was before. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night, shall not cease. The earth was radically different. The temperature was different. Weather was different. Now you'd have storms. Now you'd have cold and heat, which had not been on the earth before the flood. So Noah says, what I learned in the flood is that God is faithful. Here's what I learned. God keeps his word. God keeps his promises. God finishes what He starts. God said there would be a flood and it would bring judgment on the earth, and God promised it, and what? God did it. God is faithful. And God promised that those who got on the ark would be saved from the flood, and God keeps His word, and God kept his promise, and God did what He said, and we were saved. God is faithful. God is faithful. Today's going to be a lot of scripture. I'm going to move from an Old Testament passage to a New Testament because the flood is a very big event in the Bible, and all the Bible holds together. So so let me show you that. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, and we'll continue reading about the flood in the New Testament. In 2 Peter 3, 3, Peter writes, Know this first of all that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Now, notice first of all, in the last days, people often ask me, smiling, are we in the last days? Yes. We are because the last days in the New Testament are the time between Jesus' first coming and His second coming. Yes, we're in the last days. That's true. What we don't know is how last we are in the last days. There's something else we know, too, and that is we're closer to Jesus' return today than we were yesterday. We know that as well. So we're in the last days, and notice this, mockers will come with their mocking. <laughs> Uh, Now, don't you know Noah was mocked? What are you doing? I'm building an ark. Why? There's going to be a flood. What's a flood? Noah, you're a fool. You're a fool. Why do you keep building that? Can you imagine the 119th year? You've been doing this for over 100 years. Where's the promise of his coming? Don't we hear that? He's not coming back. He's forgotten about you. Why do you read your Bible? Why do you give money away? Why do you go to church? God has forgotten you. He's not coming back. Where is the promise of his coming? Now now notice what it goes on. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Mockers say, listen, everything continues just as it always has. But that's not true. Creation is not eternal. Only God is eternal. The Bible begins with what? In the beginning, creation? No, no, in the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. And when Moses asked God, well, what's your name? What did he say? I am who I am. When people say things have always gone on the way they always have, it's not true. For when they maintain this, It escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water. There was a day God created through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. Things haven't always gone on the way they always have. There was a time where the earth was destroyed with a flood. Things have not always gone on the same. But notice what he says next. But by his word... The present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Just like the world was destroyed with the judgment of a flood, we are looking, history is moving toward a judgment day. So let me set that up for you a little bit. I know it's a review for most of you, but but it's good to review. The Bible is one story. It's one story. It's the gospel. It's a book about Jesus. And it begins with chapter 1, with a chapter, creation, which answers the question, where did everything come from? And we've learned that God created everything out of nothing, and it was good. Then we ask the question, well, what went wrong? That's chapter 2, the fall. Our first parents sinned against God, and that wrecked everything. And then we ask, well, why doesn't God do something? And He has. That's chapter 3, redemption. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And and then listen, we ask the question, where is history headed? How does it all end? That's chapter 4, consummation. The gospel says that history is moving toward Jesus coming back. And when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a judgment day. And then following the judgment day, he will usher in the eternal state of things. For those who know Christ, it will be eternal life on a new earth where all things are made new, and for those who die in their sins, it will be everlasting punishment, away from God in all good things. That's what hell is. History is moving toward a judgment day. Verse 8, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. It seems to us like it's been a long time that Jesus said he was coming back. But then God tells us, if if you've ever wondered, why does Jesus delay? You look around, you see the suffering in our world, and why does history go on? Here's why. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. When the ark was being built for 120 years, the door was open and there was a chance to enter in, and then one day it was shut. And so Jesus has delayed his return. He's left the door to salvation open so that people could repent, so that people could put their faith in Christ, so that people could be saved. But one day it will be closed. Perhaps he's delayed his return to give you time to repent and be saved, won't you? Or maybe there's someone you love, a family member, a friend, who hasn't been saved yet, and he's delayed so you could invite them to repent and believe and be saved. Though he's patient, he's faithful. Listen, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The Lord's return is coming, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Just like the world was destroyed with a flood, it will be one day with fire. History is moving toward its consummation with the judgment day. And my question for you is, are you prepared? I mean, as we think about a judgment day, we really couldn't live if there wouldn't be a judgment day, could we? Isn't there something inside of us that longs for a judgment day? That people seem to do terrible things on earth and get away with it? I mean, there's child molesters or murderers or war criminals. And isn't there something in us that wants justice to be served? That they get away with it now, but one day we know they'll be punished. So the part of us that we couldn't live if there weren't a judgment day, <laughs> but there's another part of us what? They can't live with the thought of there being a judgment day, right? Because how can we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and see all of our exposed, sin exposed and stand? How can we stand in the judgment day? Oh, the question of all questions was asked by a jailer once, wasn't it? A jailer who asked Paul and Silas in prison in Philippi, listen to the question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? If we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, don't you think we'd want the answer to this question? How can it go well with me on that day? How can I be saved from the judgment to come? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, you know, you're doing a pretty good job. Just try a little harder. You know, just do more good works than bad works. and It'll work out just fine. That's what so many think, isn't it? that it's up to us, we need to be good, but it's not what the Bible says. They said what? Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. If we want it to go well for us on that day, we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, what we're told to do is to believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And so you say, well, what does it mean to believe in the Lord Jesus? And Uh, It really is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit, and then we believe, and then we commit. Believing in Jesus begins when we admit we have not been faithful. (laughs) We have not always obeyed God and others, that we are sinners, and we cannot save ourselves. If you've never admitted that, won't you admit that today? Listen, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Secondly, it means we believe that Jesus... That Jesus is the only good person. That he's the only one who lived a faithful life. That Jesus is God who became a man. And he lived a perfect life for us. Matter of fact, in John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking. Look at this verse. Jesus says, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Notice what he says next. For I, what? Sometimes... For I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Is that true of you? Is it true of you? It's not, is it? But with Jesus, I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. The only one that ever has lived a perfect life, He was obedient to His Father even with death on the cross. So this one who had always been obedient was obedient to the point of death on the cross. He took our sins upon Himself, died in our place, and He he rose and He offers us salvation the forgiveness of sins, the chance to do life and eternity with Him and for Him. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. We admit we're sinners. We believe that Jesus lived and died and rose for us and then we commit to Him as Savior and Lord. See, we need to believe in Jesus and not in us. Jesus, from this day forward, I'm trusting you as my Savior, not my good works. I'm trusting in your finished work. Won't you do that? Listen, I want you to give me eternal life. Won't you do that? It's we commit to him as Lord, that, that today I surrender Jesus. I want you to take over, and from this day forward, I'll follow you. Won't you admit, believe, and commit? And if you have, listen to what's true in you. If you believe in Jesus, and he says, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you might be saved. You could be saved. He says, what, you will, you will be saved, right? Let me show you what that means. In Romans chapter 8... Uh, one of his precious promises, and God is faithful that he makes to us. Look at this verse. Therefore, because you believe in Jesus, there is now how much condemnation? No condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. Remember the ark? Remember the ark? That those that were in the ark, those that were in the ark, how much condemnation did they experience? How much? You guys with me? How much? None. Those that were in the ark faced no condemnation. Those on the outside were condemned, right? And so listen, to believe in the Lord Jesus means you've gotten on the ark. You're on the inside now. You don't have to fear the judgment day because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, right? Thank you, Jesus. No condemnation. So back Back to 2 Peter, we're headed toward a judgment day. If we're we're in Jesus, we don't have to be afraid because we face no condemnation. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? Ought to be in holy conduct and godliness. Listen, when people believe a judgment day is coming, don't you think they should live differently than the people who don't? And regard the patience of our Lord. I skipped a bunch there. Uh, sorry about that. Back to verse 12. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. We live each day with the awareness that it could be today day that Jesus comes. But, but according to his promise, and God is faithful, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. One day soon, Jesus is coming back. And everything sad and broken about Earth will be will be done away with, and we'll be on a new Earth. No more viruses, and no more sickness, and no more death, and no more sorrow. All things new. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless. We live each day thinking this could be the day, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. When Jesus delays, we regard that as another day that we can invite others to come and see Jesus and put their faith in him and be saved. Just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction." Did did you hear what Peter just did? Did you hear what he did? Peter just said that Paul's writings were what? Were Scripture. Did you see that? Peter believed that when Paul wrote letters like Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, that those were Scripture. That's how we got the New Testament. Regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, justice also, our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, what he wrote to you was scripture, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they also do the, what, the rest of the scriptures. They were scripture to their own destruction. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. So what are we to be doing as we're waiting for Jesus to come back but grow? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the days of eternity. Amen. What have we learned? God is faithful. God is faithful, and, and, and what are we called to do this week? W- what is our action step this week? What I want you to do this week is I want you to enjoy his faithfulness. <laughs> God is faithful. Enjoy his faithfulness, and then I want you to express his faithfulness, to express his faithfulness. We will not be faithful until we first enjoy and experience it ourselves. And that's why we want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to get to know Jesus, the one who's faithful. And and, and then we want to enjoy that and then express that. We want to ask the Holy Spirit to form the life of Christ in us. So this week, as we look at Jesus and say that he's faithful, that he keeps his promises, that he does what he says, that he finishes what he begins, we enjoy that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then we ask the Holy Spirit. Help me to keep my promises. Help me to do what I say. Help me to finish what I began. Help me to be like Jesus. Now, enjoy and express his faithfulness. Now, let me ask you, what are you good at? What are you good at? I'm really good at two things. One thing I'm really good, and I've shared with you before, but I'm really good at catching red lights. If you had come with me this morning, you would have laughed. I laugh because every red light sees me coming. And once I get close, they always stop. And I just stop and laugh because it happens all the time. I'm really good at catching red lights. Secondly, I'm really, really good at disappointing people. And that's not so funny. That hurts so bad. So many people in my life that I've been so close to and I've disappointed them and, and they've left and that that's hard. But I want you to know why Jesus is so precious to me. And here's why. Here's one of the promises he's made to me. And he's faithful. In Hebrews thirteen five, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you nor will I ever forsake you. Isn't that in our heart of hearts what all of us long for? Is that we would have a friend who would say, I will never desert you. (laughs) You know what? When Jesus moved into me, he said, listen, Smiley, I know you better than you know yourself, and there's nothing that you will ever do that will make me leave you, no matter how stupid it is. And by the way, Smiley, you do a lot of stupid things but I'm all in. Isn't it great to have a friend who says, I'm never leaving? Man, when Jesus moved in, he said, listen, Smiley, I know you better than you know yourself, and I forgive you of all your sins, past and present and future. Isn't it great to have a friend who forgives? And you know what Jesus said when he moved in? Listen, I'm with you every step of the way, no matter what so great to be a Christian and never be alone, to know that Jesus is always with me, isn't it? And and know what else? Jesus said, I have a purpose for your life that's really, really big. Remember what Jesus said? He said, what, go and make disciples of all the nations, didn't he? And then he made us a promise. What did he say? As we do that, what did he say? I will be with you. Man, I've got a friend who's with me, and, and not only that, but he says, I will get you safely home. I am so thankful to know Jesus, don't you? To have a friend who says, I'm all in. I've forgiven you. I'm with you every step of the way. I've got a purpose, and I'm with you in the purpose, and I'm going to get you safely home. And and don't you think people who have a friend like that should live lives that are different from people who don't have a friend like that? I mean, did you hear what we read in chapter 3, verse 9? We read in chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. This is the best time ever to be a Christian. It is. Because there are so many people today who need Jesus. Um, And I think with this virus that God kind of has people's attention, wouldn't you say? Do you think some people today are more aware of how fragile life is than they were a month or two ago? What an opportunity for us to live by faith and not by fear and to point people to Jesus. And you say, well, how do you do that? Every morning when I get up, I say a prayer. I take Philippians 1, verse 21, where Paul writes, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And every day when I get up, I pray, Jesus, I am so thankful to be a Christian. I'm so thankful to know that I can't lose. That if I live, then I get to point people to you. And if I die, it gets better because I get to go and be with you. Lord, I'm so thankful I can't lose. Why don't you do that? And this week, this week, I've been, people have been saying, hey, hey, Smiley, how are you doing? And I've just been saying, So thankful to be a Christian. Well, why? Because I can't lose. Well, what do you mean you can't lose? Listen. Because if I live, I win. And if I die, I win. Because the Bible says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Wow. So let me ask you this week. Are you going to live by faith or are you going to live by fear? What are you going to do? I plead with you. I plead with you to enjoy to enjoy his faithfulness. He's faithful. Get up. Pray to yourself. For to me, to live as Christ and to die as God. I don't know what happens this week, but I know I'm doing it with Jesus and I know I win either way. And then let me encourage you. Express that faithfulness to others. Because people are looking for something and someone to hold on to. (laughs) And, And listen, The only one to hold on to is Jesus, right? Because he's the one who says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad you came and you lived a perfect life. You always did the things that pleased the Father, even death on a cross. Thank you. And and thank you for rising so that we could be saved and not fear the judgment day. Listen, if you're here and, and you've never been saved, won't you be today, won't you just admit to him, Jesus, I admit to you, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And, and won't you believe, I, I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit, Jesus, I want you to come in and, and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be, oh, won't you? And Lord, I pray for those of us who've believed in you that we would remember that we are saved and that you're faithful and you keep your promises and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we would live this week remembering you promised you'd never desert us, you'd never forsake us, that you have a purpose for our lives, that you're going to get us safely home. Lord, help us this week to live by faith and not by fear. And Lord, give us opportunities to share with others how with you we can't lose because to live is Christ and to die is gain. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.